we are, have got to the end of our Home Sweet Home series. It was just a three-week series, and we're looking at uh, the life of Joshua. Joshua was a guy in the uh, Old Testament who became a leader of a nation, and uh, he led them into some pretty incredible things, and he led them into a new home, a new land where they settled. And in the first week, we talked about how important it was to set up what we call memorial stones in our lives, and the, those, those are things to remind us of what God has done in our lives in the past, because what God has done in our past will help us in our future. And then last week, uh, we, we discussed um, how, uh, what happens when we hit brick walls in our lives, and uh, uh, we think everything is going great, and then suddenly we hit a brick wall, and how we bring those brick walls down in, in our lives. Well, today we're going to talk about ugly furniture, ugly furniture. Uh, You know, you can have the nicest home in the world. You can have all the custom design. You can, you can like, you know, have the best Arctic architect who comes, designs his home. You build it, and you think it's going to be like the HGC or H, what is HG, HGTV? That's it. Uh, dream home of the year or something. I can't get my words out this morning. But uh, and you can design the best way you can have. You can have this, like, this amazing designer kitchen. You can have this huge walk-in shower where you have all these like different shower. And steam coming up. Uh, you can have this theater room in in your basement of your home where the chairs are even more comfortable than the nasty, sticky chairs at Regal Movie Theater. You can have this grand entrance with exposed beams, and you can have like this large backyard and inviting porch, and it can be the most amazing home in the world. However, if the stuff inside the house your furniture and your possessions are ugly, are old, are smelly. It quickly devalues your home. And people may think on the outside, wow, what a wonderful home. And they go inside, they're like, ugh, never want to go there again. We have a couch at home that uh, we bought when we first got married. So that was like eight years ago. And we got it at this liquidation place. And it was this leather brown couch. And we got it for a great deal. Um, and we bought it in Missouri when we lived out in Missouri. And I loved this couch because it was such a great deal. And for those of you who know me, you know that like I'll do wacky things with my hair. Like I've had the same hairstyle for a long time. But I used to do all these different wacky things with my hair when I was younger, before I was married before I was a pastor. Um, And uh, one thing about my hair, I had this hair product that I loved. It was super expensive. And when you're single and you don't care about money, then I bought it. Now it's just like fructose. That's it. You know, I mean, that's, that's all I use. But, but I had this hair product. The problem about this hair product, it made your hair stand up all day, no matter what, how windy it was. My hair was perfect all day. The problem was I would get home and I would lie in the couch and the hair product somehow over many years transferred from my hair to the couch. And so it's kind of disgusting. And so every time someone would sit in the chair, they would sit there and I'd just be like, don't get up, don't get up. And they'd get up and you'd hear this, you know, and it's like the couch in their body is like trying to separate because the hair product is on the couch. It was a nice couch, but it became ugly. And just to let you in, we still have that couch. It's in a room where nobody ever sits. It looks pretty at a distance. But if you come to my house, don't sit in that couch, you know, otherwise you might, you know, get stuck to the couch. 
but it's an ugly couch. And now it's an ugly couch because it's just got all this stuff and it's become contaminated. Now, if my whole house was stuffed like this, nobody would ever want to come and visit my home. And so often, people have these really nice homes on the outside, but what is on the inside just totally devalues the home. And in all honesty, let's be honest, it's probably more important, even though we like curb appeal and we like our homes on the outside, it's probably more important to have nice stuff on the inside than it is on the outside. And you know what? So often our hearts are like that. So many people's hearts are like that. From the outside, they look great. They seem like they have it all together. But the closer you get to some of those people, you find on the inside, it's very ugly. It's very different to what you see. And they've got a heart full of couches with sticky hair products on the couch. You know, I, I think it's vitally important every day, every one of us, to test our hearts and our motives. I think it's important for us to make sure that what we are doing in life is pure and it's right. Otherwise, we may get an ugly heart and that ugly heart will eventually overtake the rest of your life. I'm not talking about just nasty, bad people, but I'm talking about all of us this morning. And the reason that, of that is because each and every one of us has the potential to fall. And often it's what's lying deep within our heart that causes us to fall. It doesn't matter how religious you are or how much you've been walking a path of faith or how holy you think you are or how bad you think you are. Every one of us has the potential to fall. And often it's what's lying deep within our heart that causes that fall. So the house that looks nice on the outside if not taken care of on the inside, eventually that inside will translate to the outside. There was a guy called David. He was a king of, uh, of the nation of Israel. Uh, Joshua, who we're looking at at the moment, he was the leader of this nation. Well, hundreds of years later, this guy called David becomes the king. And David, he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of things going on in his life. But this is one thing he said. He prayed this prayer. He says, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And he prayed that prayer. And the reason he prayed that prayer is because he realized that once his heart gets infected, it quickly spreads. If his, if his heart becomes bitter, if his heart becomes ugly, it quickly spreads to the rest of his life. Now, Joshua. Joshua had an ugly house. He had some ugly furniture in his house. And the reason I say this is because Joshua had just led the nation of Israel to their biggest victory since their existence. That they had relied on God and they had seen God come through. Everybody was talking about it. Joshua had led the people against this city called Jericho, which at that time was the greatest city almost in the world. There are these huge big walls around this city. And Joshua just led these people to victory against Jericho. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was super excited and pumped up because of what was going on. All the neighbors had heard about it. All the other nations had heard. And they started looking at Israel and realizing Israel was some big deal. 
And this is what Israel's thoughts were at that time. We can do anything. God has given us the greatest victory ever, and we can do anything. They're like, there ain't nothing that God can't do. That, that was their, 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 what they were saying at the time. That's what they thought at that time. However, one of the biggest issues in life when we start winning in life, and I'm not talking about Charlie Sheen winning. I'm talking about just winning in life, you know, actually succeeding in life. One of the biggest issues of winning in life is that with such great victories, you can start to become complacent in life. And complacently, complacency will quickly take you to a place that you do not want to go. You, you may be winning financially in life, or you may be winning with your health in life. You may be winning in relationships or on the career path in life. And, and at times, it can take you to a complacent place. Uh, a few years ago, I, was, I weighed 205 pounds, and for my height and build, uh, I was overweight. And, uh, and, and, and I knew I needed to do something about it because every time I go to the doctors, my blood pressure would be through the roof. And they're like, you need to lose weight. I'm like, thanks. So I went on this course to lose a ton of weight. And in the space of like nine months, I'd gone from 205 pounds to like 155 pounds. And I'll be honest, I didn't like being 155 pounds because like, if there was a table, I couldn't lift the table because I was just weak and I like, had no muscle on me. But I lost all this weight and I started feeling great about myself. Well, the one thing is when you lose all this weight and you start feeling great about yourself, you start become complacent and you stop working out, you stop eating the right things and you realize, oh, everything's great in life. And then Two years down the road, you realize, oh, you're back up to like 180 pounds and you're going in the wrong direction. And why? Because you get complacent. And so often in our life, we can become complacent in life. And Joshua had just led the nation of Israel to the greatest victory of their lives. And they went on to another city where they decided they wanted to go to battle against this city. And this city was a city called Ahai. And this is exactly what happened in Ahai after the nation of Israel had become complacent. Go to your Bibles if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, starting at verse 2. This is what it says. It says, Joshua sent some of the men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-haven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all the people struggle up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. And they killed about 36 who were uh, uh, retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events. And their courage melted away. Then look what happens to Joshua. Chapter 7, verse uh, 6. Joshua and the elders of Israel, they tore their clothing in dismay. I don't think I've seen someone do that for a while. Tore their clothing in dismay. But it must have been the in thing to do right there. Just hope they had good underwear on. That's what I'm saying. Did I just say that? Sorry. 
Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed their face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. That was in the desert where nothing was happening. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Israel had got complacent. They thought if they could defeat Jericho, which was this huge city, then they only needed a few men to defeat the city of Ai. So what happened is instead of sending all the hundreds of thousands of men uh, to go and fight this city, they decided, hey, we got this thing. It's not a problem. We'll only send a few guys. So they sent 3,000 people and they lost. They got defeated. It was humiliating for them. But it's amazing, Joshua's reply, when he starts praying to God, he's like, God, why did you bring us here to this land? Where we should have just gone back to our old land before, where, where we were just discontent with life. At least we wouldn't have died and been killed. And I think it's amazing how quickly Joshua went from feeling invincible to feeling defeat and feeling like life was about to end. And you know, we can be so like that at times. One little setback, and we pack up, and we think that we have failed. I can be like that at times. I can be having the greatest day in the world, and someone says this little thing to me, or someone says this little bit of criticism, or or something happens, or you get something in the mail that really just sets your heart going, and you feel that life is just a failure. But I've just discovered that setbacks are not failures. Setbacks are not failures. And last week we said that everybody in life experiences closed doors at times in life. Well, today I want to say that everybody experiences setbacks sometime in their life. Everybody loses battles. But it doesn't mean that you've lost the war. It doesn't mean that you're a failure if you lose a battle in your life. Maybe you're trying to struggle to to overcome an addiction and you're doing so well for a couple of weeks and then one day you slip back. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that there's a battle that's lost, but the war isn't lost. And it's the same with lots of other things. Maybe you're you're, you're trying to get out of debt or something and, and, and you've been so good and then one day you just go and like you just splurge on a bunch of clothes and different things. It's not that you failed, just that you lost that battle for that day. And so often losing battles are what we need in life because those setbacks often help us to become stronger. They highlight weaknesses in our lives. And this is exactly what happened to Joshua. So this is basically what happened. Let's just go back a little bit to Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. This is what the Bible says. It says, Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achin had stolen from these dedicated, stolen some of the dedicated things 
So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achim was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah. And then in verse 10, chapter 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Remember, Joshua's like, God, woe is me. Life sucks. It's horrible. It says, But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you, Israel, any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. It says, get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Hidden among you, Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You have, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove those things from among you. The problem for Joshua was this. The nation of Israel, the house of Israel, had become contaminated. Everything looked great on the outside, but there were some things going on the inside that was pretty ugly. They had allowed ugly furniture to spoil this beautiful new home. There was a guy called Achin. And Achin had taken valuables that God had said not to take. When they defeated the, uh, the, the, the city of Jericho, when they won this battle, when they went through, God said, you must destroy everything in this city. Everything in this city. Because this city was a, a, a city that was just uh, disgusting in the eyes of God. They worshipped other gods. They had all these possessions and these values that they offered up to other gods. And God said, you must destroy everything. But this one man out of Millions of people, maybe like they say, over a million people in Israel. One man had taken the things that God had said not to take. And the result was this. God no longer fought for Israel. Pretty harsh, to be honest, when you think about it. I'm like, God, one guy out of a million people who kind of disobeys you and you won't be with the other million people. But that was the truth. But this is what I've discovered. God is big and powerful. And God can do anything. But God cannot work with a contaminated heart. He only works with clean and pure hearts. And if you've got a contaminated heart this morning, then God is going to struggle to work in your life. God needs a clean and a pure heart in your life. That's why King David said, God created me. A clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Because he knew that if his heart got contaminated, then it was very difficult for God to work in his heart. And I ask you this morning, what furniture in the home of your heart has become contaminated? What furniture in the home of your heart has become contaminated? What junk is causing the rest of your life to stink? 
What trash have you not taken out that's causing your, the whole home of your heart to smell? You know, I've always wondered why Achan had stolen these things. He'd just seen God do some amazing things. Why is he stealing these other things from Jericho? When God has commanded you to do something, and you've seen God come through time and time again, why do you disobey God? I've always wondered. I thought, I've always thought he must be a, just crazy to do that. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I do those sort of things every day. I do those things every day. Yeah, I don't steal gold and silver from people. But I let my heart become contaminated every day. This is what Achan said in Joshua chapter 7, verse 19. It says, Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder I saw, among like all the destruction, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. I saw 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. He says this, I wanted them so much that I had to take them. I think that's so powerful. I wanted them so much that I had to take them. He says, they are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried beneath, uh, uh, buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some of the men to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said. And the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites And then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then they destroyed those things. I wonder why Achan took those things. Why did Achan do what God told him not to do? And I can see a few things here. Firstly, Achan, he was an impulsive kind of guy. You see, I saw those things and I wanted those things. We can be so impulsive at times. I kind of envy those people who are really calculated in everything they do, who have no like impulsive things. Because I find impulsive people get into trouble more often than people who aren't impulsive. You know, we see and we want. Back in the, in the 1990s and the, the 2000s, the company QVC, they became a multi-million dollar company because they all relied on people becoming impulsive. They put the TV on and they would see them selling something and they say, all you have to do is just call up, give us your credit card number and we'll send it to you. And people become so impulsive that they would actually buy those things. The fact is the stuff on QVC was just useless anyway. But you know, I don't know why people would buy things. I don't know why anyone would watch QVC anyway. I mean, come on. I'd rather watch reruns of the A-Team or something than QVC. But anyway, they became a multi-million dollar company because they acted on people's impulsiveness. And at times, we are impulsive people, and impulsive people often get themselves into trouble. I totally forgot to bring them today, but I got a pair of white shoes. 
Don't judge me for it, okay? White shoes. And I brought this outfit. I brought these, these pants and this shirt. And they had to, I brought them one day and I looked at them. I'm like, what am I going to wear? What shoes am I going to wear with them? I'm like, the only shoes I could wear with these are like white shoes. I'm not talking about like white sneakers. I'm talking about white dress shoes. I'm like, I mean, I'm pimping it out. I'm telling you. But, uh, but I bought these shoes. And for one day, I searched the mall. I went to like two different malls and I searched them back and forth to get these white shoes. Now, I have a, a conviction in my life that I won't pay more than 35 bucks for a pair of shoes. And some people, you pay good money for shoes, but shoes just wear out and, and I won't pay more than 35 bucks for a pair of shoes. But on this day, I had to get my white shoes. I ended up finding a pair of shoes, 65 bucks, and I paid 65 bucks for the pair of white shoes. Do you know how many times I've worn those white shoes? I've actually worn them three times. Once I wore them to church once, and everybody ridiculed me, so I never wore them at church again. (laughs) Next time, I wore them to uh, a date with my wife because she wanted me to wear them, and so I'm like, that's fine. And we were in Washington, D.C., and I could just feel like everybody watching me because I'm like kind of not the guy that wears white shoes. And then I think I wore them in England one time because you can wear anything in England. And that's about it. But white shoes. I got, became so impulsive about my white shoes. Uh, but it got me into trouble. And if I let those impulsiveness be, happen all the time, then I would have no money left in my bank account at all. And being impulsive at times can be fun. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you, you and your wife get together and you're like, hey, let, let, let's go to the beach for the day or let, let's go to New York City for a couple of days. Just impulsive. It can be fun. But more often than not, impulsiveness can cause harm. And aging was impulsive. But not just that. Aging wasn't just impulsive. Aging saw these things and he thought they could give him a head start. He saw the valuables of Jericho and he thought to himself, this is my lucky break. This is my lucky break. These are things that I can use to get a head. I can sell these possessions and make money and get a head. But the truth is, no matter how tempting something may be, Never, ever break your convictions to get a head start. Never, ever break your convictions to get a head start. No matter how tempting it may be, whether you're at work and you know that maybe your boss is asking you to do something that you know is not right. But he'll give you a pat on the back, maybe a little raise, maybe he'll consider you, you know, next time a promotion comes along. If it's against your convictions, don't do it. Maybe in your house and in your family. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, in a relationship that you're in. Don't break your convictions to get a head start. And this is the reason why it will always end in failure. Always end in failure. They say you can never cheat the IRS, right? 
They say that, you, you know, I mean, you can, you can avoid paying your taxes for one year. You may avoid it for two years and three years, and you'll think, this is great. I'm living life tax-free. But eventually, the IRS are going to catch up with you. And when they catch up with you, life becomes a big old fat failure. And if you don't stick to your convictions in life, and you go past your convictions to get a head start, eventually, it will result in failure. Achin thought these things would get him a head start, but it eventually, it results resulted in his failure. He was impulsive. He thought it would get him a head start. And then lastly, he thought that he needed to bring his past into his future. He thought he needed to bring his past into his future. I'm sure most of us, most single guys who get married have got some old, ugly chair that they never want to get rid of. Am I I right, guys? I mean, most of you have. If you got married, and I guarantee within a month that chair was gone, you know, all repulsored, one of them, like into pink and flowers, and you're like, oh, what happened to my chair? But most of us, we have old furniture, and we just love it because it's old. You know, we sit in in our lazy boy that we've had for 20 years, and you know, it's got stains all over it, and it's nasty, and no one else will sit in, it, sit in it for us. And we think that there could be no other chair that is as comfortable as that old, ugly chair. And, and, and then we move house, and we move into this nice, beautiful home, and we've got all this nice stuff, and we want to move our old, ugly chair into this nice, beautiful home because we think we just cannot live without it. And this is exactly what happened with aging. Achin saw these valuables in Jericho. And he thought that in order to get on in life, to have a future, he needed these valuables. He wanted to hold on when he needed to let go. And I tell you this morning, don't let your past affect your future. Sometimes you need to destroy the things from your past in order to have a future. You know, God had greater things for Israel than any possessions that Jericho had. Anything that Achim could see, any valuables, any silver coins, bar of gold, or robe from Babylon that he stole, God had way better things for Achim and the rest of the Israelites. And I tell you this morning, God has got great things for you. God has got plans for your life that you would not even imagine. Don't let your past, hold on to your past, affect your future. Because God has got a better future than your past. I know God's got a better future for this church than our past, for my life than our past. And I know for you, God has got a greater future than your past. And that was the same for Israel. So don't let the things from your past stop you from having a good future. If that ugly chair needs to go, it needs to go. The result of all this, Joshua destroyed the stuff that Achin had stolen. Achin kind of lost his life, unfortunately. And then Joshua and the Israelites went back to the city of Ai, and God gave them victory. It was an easy victory. But it was only easy because this time God was with them. And God was with them because they had a clean house. They had a pure heart. They had a right spirit. And to others around you, you may, they may think that you've got it all together. But you know deep down in the bottom of your heart, you don't have it all together. 
You know inside the home of your heart, there may be some ugly furniture. And unless you get rid of it, you know that God cannot work in your life. You know there's some things in the bottom of your heart that are contaminating your heart. And God cannot work with those things. And maybe today, it's time to start searching your heart. Start asking God to clean your heart like David did. Creating you a clean heart. Maybe it's time to do a reality check. Because you've been too complacent in life. Maybe it's time to do away with those impulsive tendencies that keep getting you into trouble. Maybe you are too willing to compromise your values to get a head start. Maybe it's time to let go of something of your past. And if that's you this morning, if you know you've got some things deep down in the bottom of your heart, I want to read a quick scripture to you. It's found in 1 John chapter 1, and this is what it says. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We claim we have no sin. We are only fooling ourselves. We are not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, that's Jesus, if we confess our sins to Jesus, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. You may have some things deep down in the bottom of your heart you know needs to be cleansed. Jesus has the the ability to cleanse your heart. Maybe you've been struggling, you've been fighting. You know some things are in your life. And you know God is not working in your life because you know there's just some things that you know you need to deal with. And you've been trying and trying and trying. And you've been trying on your own and you haven't been able to do it. Jesus has the ability to clean your heart. If we allow him to highlight those ugly, dirty areas, those desires in our hearts, And then if we acknowledge them to him and confess them to him, then the Bible tells us he will cleanse and remove those things from us, those things that may be causing us pain and hurt in our lives. He will remove them from us. So let Jesus remove the ugly furniture from the home of your heart and watch how he will lead you onto greater things than he has ever done before. It wasn't until Joshua destroyed those ugly things that God gave them victory. And in your life, God wants to cleanse you. Get rid of that ugliness that you know is in the bottom of your heart. So maybe what's on the outside also shows what's on the inside as well. And when he does that, He'll take you onto a future you can never imagine. Let's bow our heads.